Welcome to Nobody Told Me That, your source for candid business talk and stories. Your host is speaker and author Teresa Duncan. Sit back, buckle up, and hang on. Jingle bells, jingle bells. Hey, Kevin, are you there? I am, and I, I was just uh, dancing away your little jingle there. It's all good. <laughs> we are we are in a holiday mood. We're very festive here, right? How are you doing with the festivities? La la la! It's all good here. Absolutely, just uh, you know, enjoying a little quiet. Uh, you know, uh, with a lot of people taking off for the holidays, it's a good time to catch up on some things. You are in the middle of a deep freeze right now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, we're not Erie, Pennsylvania, at least, with their 800 inches of snow or whatever. But uh, yeah, we're in the neg- you know the negatives here in beautiful Colorado and uh, looking out at a, a white lawn at the moment. So I'm ready for baseball season. What has happened to your bird? Don't you have a bird that's really protective of like one, oh, one yeah, tree? Yeah, we do. Where does where does your bird go? That's a great question. I think he's probably hanging out in Cancun right now, sipping some uh, adult beverages on the beach or something, and waiting to come back. I'm not sure. Now, ain't that some stuff that this bird <laughs> is living the life? <laughs> Trust and me. you're freezing. He'll, he'll be back in like June. Yeah, all of a sudden he'll be out there strutting his stuff. Yeah, on our little hill outside of our backyard overlooking the pond, there's one uh, bird. We always call him Mr. Mafia because, man, he chases everybody and everything away from his hill, my God. So, uh, so we'll see. Him. I love it. I love it. Well, this is our year-end wrap-up yeah. show. We've had a very eventful 2017. I mean, from from my point of view, 2017 was up and down, kind of a roller coaster ride. My business changed tremendously. And you, and then the book, the podcast, all of that, you had your business changed tremendously yeah. and you had the book and the podcast. I think we definitely need a, a break. <laughs> we need a, we need a drink before we start 2018. <laughs> what do you have planned for the new year? Uh, you know, lots of friends coming over. Lots of our mutual friends will be over here at the house. Uh, we're looking forward to having the Ultramats and uh, the Rita Michael crew. And uh, mm-hmm. rumor is Laura Edwards may even make an appearance. Uh, so, oh, I love Laura. I Say hi to her. Friend. I will. Yeah. So it's going to be surrounded by friends and uh, hopefully ringing in a, what's going to be a great year ahead. How about you? So my mom is this tiny little Asian woman <laughs> and she doesn't drink very often at all. I mean, honestly, and it's really a good thing. We just celebrated my parents' 48th anniversary. That's awesome. We were at the restaurant and she's like, let me have a beer. And all of us did a double take because, first of all, she doesn't even know what beer to order. She just (laughs) says, give me a beer. And the lady's like, what beer? And then that was just a whole disaster because we weren't even just at like a place with three beers. We were at like a place with craft beers and stuff. So it was... It was a disaster. So she gets this beer. She drinks like a quarter of it and she's already tipsy. And so Norman had to finish the rest of it. So now New Year's is coming and she's already asking, you know, will you have beer? Will you have champagne? And, and I don't think she's turning into a lush. I just think she's at that point now where she's just like, whatever, like whatever. (laughs) Good for her. So I think I'm expected to have alcohol for my mom. My New Year's will probably be spent laughing. In a good way, laughing at my mom this, doing, you know, antics. This could be some Facebook Live materials. What this could be right here. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little scared of that. I don't know. My mom is she's feisty. She's feisty, <laughs> tiny Asian. It's it's really funny. <laughs> 
so and, and I saw you went home to see Julia I did. for I did. Christmas. Uh, got lucky enough to uh, spend spend some quality time with my daughter. And uh, the only the only downer we had at the holidays was my mom fell ill. Actually, as we speak, she's in the hospital. Uh, oh, sorry to hear that. Well, but it, you know, uh, she she fights diabetes, uh, and uh, we're we're planning on her getting a full recovery. She just had a little mix up with her medication that kind of spiraled her downhill a little bit. So, uh, the good news is of the whole thing is that yeah, she's on the road to recovery, and I know she's going to spend some good time uh, with Julia, uh, my daughter, uh, for New Year's, and they're going to watch uh, Oklahoma play in the you know college football playoffs. So, oh my gosh, it's going to be a, a big time. And she's looking forward to that. With medication mix up, I'm, I'm always, uh, you know, I, I know that she'll be better and, and yeah. she's going to have her family around her. I, I'm always surprised there's not more illnesses because of medication oh, mix ups. Yeah. Uh, I remember when my grandfather was uh, still alive and of course my grandmother, she didn't have quite as many medications, but when I would visit the the dinner table in the middle, there was a lazy Susan of nothing but medication. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Is that how it is? It, that you, it is, your mom? You know, they, there, there's a day set aside and, and mom, if you're listening to this, sorry, just telling you up front, sorry, I'm spilling the beans here, but you know, there, <laughs> there, there's time set aside in their weekly schedule for the pills, you know, and, and sorting the pills and organizing the pills. And, you know, uh, Mary Gavoni, our friend always used to joke about better living through pharmaceuticals and, <laughs> That's kind of that's kind of how I feel about that. Every time I just sit there and watch them, I'm like, "Wow, this is a, this is a pretty interesting operation." They sit there, and you know, for a long time, he could sort his medications yep. himself. Yep. And now, then it got to the point where my my aunt, who lived in and take took care of both of them, then she was sorting the medications, oh. and the amount. I mean, they had sheets of paper that just listed dosages and stuff that she was going by and the sheet was worn you could tell it'd been oh, written yeah. a couple times and 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 i'm just amazed that more people don't die from mixing up the times uh, and mixing up dosages and so uh, you know i hope that it's nothing too serious and and well I, i'm sure they'll try not to have that happen again but well it's it's funny you said because my my dad had to bring along they so they took my mom by ambulance and you and i hadn't talked about any of this before we got online so this may be you know a little surprise but they took her by ambulance you know it wasn't an emergency but still it's the best way to get her over to the hospital and my dad had to find the medication list, which is like you were just talking about. It's a worn piece of paper that is, you know, it just keeps getting added to it, it seems like. And then the ambulance driver told him something very interesting, that he could not bring mom's medicine along with him in the ambulance while they were transporting her because they were fear there would be an overdose situation. Which I don't understand. I, I don't get that either. Apparently, the, the ambulance driver said that he was worried that my dad was going to try to give her medication, and they'd try to give her medication as well, and they might oh. counteract each other. And I was just like, you know, that's something I've never really thought about. But, you know, I think my dad kind of looked like Santa Claus with the bag over his back and all the pills in there. But, uh, <laughs> you know. Well, and and what sucks is that that rule is in place because that did happen. Oh, sure, you you know what happened at some point. You're exactly right. Interesting. Yes. Wow. Uh, there you go. So that may only be an Oklahoma one-time ambulance law, but uh, I, I can tell you, the day after Christmas, it was enacted at least. So there you go. Wow. Well, so hopefully she's uh, she's she's probably watching like Price is Right or something. Oh, she probably is. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I guarantee you, she'll she'll download this at some point, and I will get a a, 
unhappy phone call that we discussed this, but you know, hey, now Ruth Ellen, we talk about you because we love you, exactly. not because we're you know we're we're using this to educate others. <laughs> you know, she was out of it the other night whenever she didn't want to watch Monday Night Raw. That's how you I know, knew that things were. How not. does that happen? Exactly. That's when I knew things were not good at the Henry House. So anyway. <laughs> So let's just go real quick. And I, and this is where our listeners are like, really? Um, so did you watch the Ric Flair 30? Oh my gosh. Yes, I did. Oh my gosh. So the 30, 30 for 30, and it was about the life and times of Ric Flair, who is a oldie, but goodie pro wrestler entertainer. And I knew that his life was crazy, but I had no idea his life was that nuts. And were you like really feeling sorry for him at the end? Like just so sad for him. I felt sorry for him. I felt sorry for his family. Yeah, it was, it was a train wreck to watch. And I'll tell you, I grew up, you know, I mean, he was wrestling in Dallas with fabulous Freebirds down there. Mm -hmm. And, And I lived in Tulsa and, you know, that was the close big city, you know, was Dallas. And they came to Tulsa a couple of times and, oh, we watched Ric Flair and the fabulous Freebirds. And it's so funny because on that 30 for 30, he's talking about going to these little towns like Tulsa and Wichita. And I was like, I was there, you know, but (laughs) (laughs) anyway, yeah, just a wow. Just for those people, why, why do we feel sorry for him? So he had a son who passed away, overdose, and he was, that was very, very tragic. My trigger for crying is whenever I see grown men cry, grown men get emotional. I had, I cannot hold back when I see that. And, and, Seeing him tear up about his son just ripped me in half. And then, you know, seeing his love for Charlotte, that was really his daughter. That was really awesome to see. But the fact that he was so nonchalant about his wife and how he had cheated on her so many times. And and how many women he'd slept with. I mean, he just threw out numbers and I was just, I mean, my jaw dropped a couple of times. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I knew he was, you know, a dog, but holy (laughs) cow. I I mean, you're like, you're the hound. You're the lead hound there, buddy. (laughs) Uh, We can get off of our pro wrestling kick. and I apologize for our regular listeners. I heard a lot of clicks right there. People going, "Ah, you know, I'm good." So, please come back now. Okay. <laughs> so let, let's talk about 2017. Now that it's we are two days away, as of this recording, we are two no three days away from the end of the year. Yeah. I am quite frankly ready to kick this year in its ass and put it to bed. Yeah. I'm done with it. What did you see change? In 2017, well, I mean, what was your big thing in 2017? What do you think? My big thing was just, we. I think we finally saw the tipping point when it comes to demographics and the practice and the way that things have changed. You know, the, the it, it's a woman's world. And, and I think we finally saw that in 2017 with all the young female practitioners coming in and the dental schools now being dominated by females. I think it's, it's fascinating to see how that's going to keep changing dentistry. And I think for the better, I really do. We look back one of these days, we're going to say, you know, that was the year that we saw dental practices change in that respect. You know, and I think people are still trying to figure out, are groups growing? Are are they going to take over the world? You know, I I think we saw some more steps taken toward that with more small groups being formed, you know, doctors doing three or four practices under their belt. You know, that's how I think I'll, I'll remember 2017, at least. How about you? So, yeah, the demographics, I mean, it's interesting because I was just down at one of the dental schools in Florida talking to them and there was definitely a lot of women, but there were still a lot of men. So I think when we see that there, there are definitely more women coming in. Don't, don't get me wrong. I think what you're saying is correct. I think 
it'll be interesting to see how the dental companies, the dental industry, basically, do they recognize them as the true buyers if the women are not actually practice owners? Right. Uh, because that's something that we see them coming into dentistry, but I need to look, I have not looked at the numbers, but I don't know what that, if that translates into, are they the owners of the dentistry? Yeah. And yeah, so and- that's, said something. And, and you're right. And, and, you know, they're coming in and, you know, our, our friend David Rice with Ignite DDS always says that it's about three years that it takes somebody to really go into their own practice and start making their own mark. I think we saw the scale start to tip this year, but you're right. It could be 2020 before we really see the ramifications of it. And, and interestingly enough, I, I connected with an old client of mine. Gosh, I was working with her I don't know, maybe five years ago. It's been a long time. And so we reconnected and she was telling me she was the exact same situation. She had associated somewhere. She got out, built, bought a practice, built it up mm-hmm. and brought on an associate. And, you know, she's younger woman. Well, when I say younger, not, not quite as old as I am. So I would say thirties maybe. And she ended up deciding that being at home and being with her family is more important. Yeah. And so she actually sold the practice to her associate. And now she's loving life. She's, you know, she's trying to figure out now, what do I do? Because I have this dental license. I don't want to let it go to waste. There are a lot of options for that. She definitely doesn't want to practice anymore. And so the dental industry doesn't see her as a prime target, but yet she's, she's out there. So she's part of that, that number. And I'm wondering if there are other female dentists who are in that place where they've had, you know, one or two kids and they realize, wait a second, what am I, you know, what am I killing myself for? So I'm I'm curious how that rolls out. And I don't know if that's even anything to worry about. I don't, I don't know. And and that's why I think one of the big questions that we're all interested to see, you know, in, in those three to five years from now, obviously family comes first and and it should, you know, uh, family should always come first, but Mm -hmm. trying to balance family and business, especially for these young females, it's, it will be interesting to see you know, cause that's always been the million dollar question. What will they choose? Will they choose their career over their family or vice versa? Or can they find a balance between the two? And, you know, we're, we're not going to know that answer again for a few years. So, so what I've seen that ties in with your demographics is I've seen a real outcry of pain when it comes to the workforce. You know, I talked to an awful lot of managers connected with a lot of them and I continually will get little emails or texts that say, is it really that tough out there? Is anybody else having trouble? And it's about hiring good people for the office. Yeah. And, and I'm definitely hearing that more this year than before. And I think a lot more dentists, and, and I think that there's a couple reasons for that. So I think we are now at the point in dentistry where we have such specialized jobs. It's no longer just assistant, hygienist, receptionist, doctor, like that was, that was it for a million years. Yep. And now there's so many specialized jobs that we're finding it hard to put that, you know, square peg in the round hole. We're hiring specifically for fields or job positions that have never really been filled before. And so we're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants. And it's really no wonder that there are people out there that aren't necessarily applying for the job. Uh, I think it's hard to bring somebody into dentistry now than it was before, because before it was like just customer service experience required, you know, come with a smile, come with a good attitude, be punctual, blah, blah, blah. Now, when somebody is looking to get into dentistry, they open up a job ad and it is all sorts of requirement, PPO, EPO, um, Dentrix, Eaglesoft, Open Dental, CDA, RDA. I mean, all of these different 
it's just, it's not an entry level job anymore, which is fine. That's actually where I'd like it to go, where we are specialized. But what I mean by that is that we don't have enough people yet who have been trained well to have a job market, I think. It's a great point. You're right. And and you're right, because now you're seeing sterilization techs, you're seeing insurance coordinators, you're seeing, you know, office managers on top of front desk help, you know, so you're right, there's there's a lot of titles out there. I think there's still a part of the industry that is caught between wanting to move forward with these specialized roles and not knowing how to do it. And so they're kind of stuck in the past at the same time. And so I think a lot of, you know, a lot of the assistants that I talk to around the country are very frustrated because it's kind of that in-between time right now in their practice where they want to be cross-trained. They want to learn how to do things at the front. They want to see what else they can do to help the practice, but it's very much still stuck in the, no, you're a clinical assistant and this is what you do. Sure. So, yeah. So it, it's interesting to see that uh, little battle unfold as well. It's the, the whole bubbles thing. You know, yeah. we're, we're kind of sure. stuck in our bubbles and we're not, we're not quite merging the bubbles altogether. The assistant's, protecting their space front office is always going to protect their space and and really what this all boils down to is organizational change that's that's really at the core of this because it's not just your dental office down the street that's changing Uh, offices across your your city are changing and realizing that this is how we need to run our businesses and i will go on a limb and say that change is not something dental practices are very good at all Oh no, change, change sucks. It absolutely sucks. Uh, let's walk through change in an office, Kevin. You want to do that? I think that would be fun. Oh, a lot of people are just screeching yeah. their nails on the chalkboard right now. <laughs> about let, let me walk you through change in a dental office and how it's typically done. And let's just poke holes in it because it's just amusing. Um, and I can already picture, I know Danielle listens to the podcast. Danielle, you're probably cracking up at this already. So so just shout out <laughs> to her. Somebody will go to a class. Most likely the doctor will go take some, some leadership class, yeah. right? They'll come back. They're driving home. They're very excited. They've already identified, you know, most of the team is going to be on board with this. I can't wait to bring it back to them. But there's Jenny. What am I going to do about oh. Jenny? Jenny's a problem. So the whole <laughs> night then they think about Jenny and how we can talk to Jenny. Cause, cause apparently now we have to get Jenny's okay to do the change. So True. then we talk to Jenny and, and Hey, Jenny, how about we do this? I'd really like to, you know what? Let's start baking bread in the office. I heard baking bread is good. Let's start baking <laughs> bread in the office. Right. So, <laughs> and so Jenny looks at you and she'll wrinkle up her nose and she'll say, we tried that. <laughs> there you go. I love we that tried right that. There. We tried that years ago. But Jenny, the bread makers today are so much better, so much easier. We're going to be able to do it with half of the time. And the, the smell is going to be even better than it was before. Doctor, you just took a class on this. I know you're really excited, but I'm telling you, this is going to be really hard to implement. I have all these other things that I need to do, and I'm still implementing things from the last time that you took a class. And doctor kind of shrugs. The shoulders go down. Like, you know how you watch a, a dog with a tail and the tail just sinks? Yeah. <laughs> yep. That is exactly what happens. <laughs> and then the doctor will sure. go home, and then then the doctor kind of festers because, you know, it's a it was a damn good idea. I can't believe she's shooting me down. I'm going to go back in in the morning and we're going to talk about this again. He goes back in in the morning. He talks about it. And then Jenny says the dreaded lines. Well, if you really think we need to do it, we can do it. 
and and you as a man, Kevin, know that's the equivalent of fine, fine. Oh yeah, that's the worst word you can hear. Fine. We'll. Oh, I'm a, I'm a dead man. Is what we'll I'm do it your way. Yeah. I. You know what? We'll do it your way. That. And so the doctor hears that. And the doctor, um, immediate first impression. Now, this is where I imagine the doctor is more like Charlie Brown, and he like re- he raises his hands in victory. He's like, "Yes!" And then the second his hands come down, he goes, "Wah wah wah!" This is not going to go the way I thought. And sure enough, they give it the college try for a little bit, and then within two or three days, he just stops asking, or she stops asking. And Jenny sits in her office and is like, I knew this. He never follows through on anything. <laughs> there you go. Yep. And it's not just Jenny, the office yep. manager. I it's Jenny, you. anybody in the office, really. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When you have people in your practice that are just waiting for you to trip, then go, mm-hmm. oh, told you. Yeah. You know, oh, that's the worst. So, yeah. Absolutely. So that, I think, is the interesting part about change and, and why, you know, a lot of it. A lot of professionals are always say, you know, dentists hate change. I don't know if they so much hate changes. They really are just, they've been burned enough. I mean, really, it's like a, it's a conditioned response at this point. Oh, you're right. And, and I think that it, you know, whenever you first go through that, then it keeps you from wanting to try any kind of change after that. Cause it's easier just to go, you know what, we're just going to keep doing it the way we've always done it. Rather than try to go through that whole scenario. If there's a Jenny in your office, uh, Jenny's can come around. In my experience, Jenny's are very hard to change. You may get the occasional one that that turns it around. But in my experience, for sure, they're going to keep you from moving forward because it keeps them doing their comfort level and not stretching. You really have to think about, is that what's happening in your office? And is that fair to me? And I would venture to guess that the answer is no, it's absolutely not fair to you. So think about that. I would think about that. So let's talk about the rest of 2017. Let me, I'm seeing a lot more speakers out there talking about more relevant stuff, which is great. That's an interesting point. I think point. way yeah, I more relevant that. stuff. So there's always the clinical side of it. And I'm not even going to speak to that because that's what our industry is based on is that the cl- the clinicians are doing their job. So, you know, that's, I don't, and plus I don't know what the new stuff is anymore coming out other than materials and procedures. They are really leading the way with, there's just so many good clinicians out there, but as far as practice management goes and auxiliaries, you know, where you and I live, I'm seeing a lot more fresh faces and I'm seeing a, a lot more resonating I can really pick up on when a crowd, it's resonating with the crowd. Have you been in some classes this year that have been really like crowd rockers? You're right. I mean, whether you're an attendee or whether you're up front, I think you can tell whenever you're in the middle of a snoozer or something that people are really enjoying. Mm -hmm. Our friend Laura Hatch, you know, I went through one of her front office rocks and I'll tell you, she's, she's dynamite. Well, Susan Gunn is one I would point to. She was phenomenal at ADOM and I've heard her speak before, but she brings the realness when it comes to the finances. It's not just, you know, you need to save money, you need to make money. She's really, she gives precise logical steps 
on how to handle that. That I think is what people want. You know, I don't know if so much the theory is what people want anymore. I think these crowds nowadays, they want specific steps, action items. And that is different than before. Like I used to go listen to, I mean, Linda Miles is always good, but she, she would speak and give, you know, some, some things to do, but she would be very motivating. That would work for a long time. But I think today people are asking for, that's fine. That's nice. I feel fuzzy, but what do I do about this employee that is stealing from me? Or what do I do about this employee that's always on their phone? Yeah. Is that- it, it really is that whole show me how to fish thing. Mm-hmm. You know, people want to know, and you're right. Whenever they walk back into their practice on Monday, they want to be able to make a difference like immediately. Yeah, I, I do think that the classes nowadays are are changing, and I I'm grateful for that. I see just a, and I see more classes on uh, social media, uh, which is always good. Not just our good friend Rita who rocks it, but you know other people are out there talking about social media and doing a good job. I think you're seeing a lot more vendors who are good speakers that are out there, which that used to never happen. And a company would come out and they're be torturous to listen to their, their courses. But, but you've got Tom Clark, who's out there, you know, kicking butt, and he's with Banyan. And then you have Alex. Gosh, Alex is just hilarious. Alex Newdell with Revenue Well. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and I, I think those two guys right there, they also, they're, they're entrepreneurs, but they're also very passionate about what they do and their customers. And I think that that resonates so strongly from those two right there. Well, and let me add a third name, Andy Cleveland, who has a oh, collections Andy. company. And Great job. Yeah. And I mean, so so when you listen to any of those three, you would think, okay, here comes a sales pitch. But that's not even what you get. And that, I think, finally, companies are realizing that's what we need. So we need more companies that are like, okay, we know we have to make a sale, but we also know what's going to make you a loyal customer is the fact that we give you information. That's, I think, the future of education. I hope we're getting there faster than than we have in the past. Because in the past, it was kind of like, well, now we got to wait for the next class, next state association meeting to roll around. Yep. And now we've got webinars to fill the gap. Now we've got these local meetings to fill the gap. And things are really changing as far as education goes. You're right. The webinars are such a big part. Online learning, you know, I, I think it's taken another step in 2017. And I think that the meetings themselves are starting to understand who's out there just providing a sales pitch as their lecture mm-hmm. versus people who are actually bringing content. And, and I think that that's a really good change that's happening right now as well, because you and I have, you know, I know we've been sucked into meetings and you, you get about 30 minutes into it and you're like, oh, dear God, this is just a sales pitch for X company. And you've got two and a half more hours to go. And what was worse is when I was young and really stupid, I would just sit there because I would feel bad that I would walk out. Did you ever do yeah. that? Cause you're, you're a very uh, polite man. So I can imagine uh, you did that. Yeah. I've, I've gotten more crusty as I've gotten older, you know, but uh, oh, yeah. Oh yeah. No, now I, I'm, I never sit in the front of the room anymore. <laughs> I don't, unless I know who you are, I don't trust that I'm not, cause I gotta make it. I gotta make an exit. If you are here <laughs> killing me by 20 minutes in, I gotta go. I'm done. Yeah. And it's not because I'm such a bitch. I mean, Oh gosh, there it goes. It's not because of that. It's because I I signed up for A and you're delivering B and you're going to try right. to tell C to me. And it's just, oh, come on now. So so I, I do think that maybe the salespeople have seen enough people walk out. 
I hope so. You know, and, and I hope that uh, attendees are being honest enough and actually doing the evaluations, you know, because that's where the people who we've named and other people that we know in our heads who are really good speakers, that's where those people get asked back. And hopefully it separates those who are just doing a sales pitch or have no passion at all for their topic. Anymore. Yeah. You know, I wonder about that. And it's just like with work, when the passion goes, you got to really pay attention to that. You got to, yep. you, you need to step down, not, not be told to step down. Like you just got to feel it in your heart. So, so the other thing that happened in 2017 for me was the really loud voice of people upset with insurance, which is, you know, it's almost like beating a dead horse at this point. Everybody knows that insurance is a pain point in their office, but this year, it was almost like the roar became deafening. And I still think that we're going to get even more next year because we're seeing more restrictions come down and the year hasn't turned over. We don't know what the plans that are that are going to pop up for next year. A lot of different uh, states got rid of the individual plans, a lot of plans. And many plans pulled out of the states because they were losing money. And so you will see... I think next year there's going to be not as many individual plans, which is going to make it harder for individuals to get insurance. And so they're going to be even more cost sensitive about about that. Definitely seeing more in-office savings plans. So that needs to definitely be, we need to talk about that in our offices. That's something that you just cannot ignore anymore because it's it's just becoming so popular. And the other thing too is we're seeing more Medicare Advantage plans, Medicare Advantage plans that have dental plans. And that is so mega confusing for everybody. In fact, I, I'm, I'm in the middle of uh, getting somebody to come onto the podcast to explain all of that because Medicare in itself is just super confusing for so many people. And I think, unfortunately, we are now at our tipping point where we can't ignore medical insurance anymore. We have to at least yeah. know how that interacts. And uh, that's, I think, going to be really tough for a lot of people. So to me, 2017 was just a lot of awkward and uncomfortable change going on. And this is probably the, the masochist in me, but I'm, I'm looking forward to when you and I speak in a couple of weeks here in Denver together and do our trends topic at the Rocky Mountain Dental Conference. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing the questions that you get from the audience about insurance and how things have changed. I'm, I'm really going to be just kind of sitting back very fascinated by what are people hearing? What are their fears now that the calendar's turned? And are they really informed enough? <laughs> or, you know, are there a lot of holes out there? Uh, I still, you know what, it's funny. Somebody was just asking me about, you know, do I think we're at a point where dentists will ever feel comfortable pulling away from Delta. I think we're getting closer to that point, to be honest. And and I'm I'm really curious to see how Colorado feels because Colorado has actually has a really good relationship. Colorado dentists have a good relationship with Delta of Colorado. Yeah. yeah it, it, Delta yeah. of Colorado is one of the better Deltas out there for sure. And so I think that's going to be really interesting. And then compare contrast with the very next week, when I'm in Yankee, where when we are going to be in Yankee as well, yeah, because um, Delta in the Northeast is not as beloved <laughs> at all. So I'll be that's a good way to put it. That, <laughs> that'll be an interesting bunch of feedback because last year you and I gave that course at Yankee, and yeah. the feedback about Delta there was not kind. And uh, no. so I, I don't I don't expect it's going to be any different, you know, in 2018. But I am curious to hear what what it's going to be like across the country in 2018. I've got a lot of workshops booked and and that I think is going to show me I think by the middle of the year, I'll, I'll have a good beat on this. But the tone of dentists 
considering leaving Delta is, is getting more bold. I, I think I'll just say it that way. I, I get mm-hmm. a lot more doctors that are saying, so this is what I used to hear, Kevin. I used to hear, I, I just can't give up Delta that like I would lose my practice. I, that's what I yeah. would hear. And now I'm hearing Delta's really big in my practice. I need to do something about that. So that's an interesting shift and it'll be interesting to see how Delta responds to it. So I, you know me, I'm like Switzerland, you, you know, I just want you to do good in your business. That's fine. But I am always curious on what the business move is that the insurance companies come up with to combat this stuff. It's it, to me, it's fascinating. Yeah. And that's one thing I'm, I'm very interested to see as well, because uh, it is a chess game, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm very curious to see the next move on both sides. And I want to thank the people out there who keep me up to date on this. There's a bunch of you out there who give me information on what's going on in your state, Delta, any shenanigans with any of the insurance companies or any, you know, good stuff. So keep that coming because that's how I get the word out. So let's look forward, Kevin. Let's oh, let's look forward. 2018, here we come. Oh, oh, I'm, ex- so I'm excited. <laughs> I really am. I think, I think it's going to be a very interesting year and a good year. Personally and professionally. So I'm, I'm ready to kick it off here. I, I want to get past the snow. That's what I just need. I need to get past <laughs> the snow because I'm coming out to see you in yeah. early January, then Yankee in Boston, then Chicago for a couple times, one for ADA, then Chicago midwinter, yeah. and then another meeting in Chicago. So I, I need it to not snow. <laughs> well, I think that's possible. Well, here's what we're working on in Denver is that it just snows on all the ski areas and, and is fine here in, in the, you know, the lowlands at 5,000 feet. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, I'll do my best for you. Pat. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Now, is that, is that hotel, the, is it the Overlook? What is that hotel that you took me to? You and Dana took me to where the shining was oh, the inspiration. Oh, uh, oh, the, uh, the Stanley. Yes. Yes. Now is that, is that open in the winter time? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, uh, you know, just a little preview. I'm hoping to actually uh, go snowshoeing this weekend up at Estes Park. Oh, nice. Nice. We talked about my mom earlier and all her health issues. I made my dad's day earlier in the whole medical drama thing whenever I reminded him that Dumb and Dumber was filmed at the Stanley as well. (laughs) And so I needed to take him there to see that. So he's very excited about that next time he comes (laughs) up. See, and, I, and I'm excited about The Shining. He's excited about Dumb and Dumb. See, you have you know, two types little... of people in your life, Kevin. <laughs> you do. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, so 2018, uh, what yeah. do you see? I know I know, we talked about the demographics. That's continuing to change. What do you think yeah. is going to come down the pike? What do you see? Well, I'm, I'm still waiting to see what Amazon. Uh, I'm still waiting to see the response to Amazon. And I know some people are kind of shrugging their shoulders and saying that things won't change. And a lot of people are running around like chicken little the sky is falling. So will Amazon make a difference? Will this next generation of dentists who are coming in, is, is that part of the tipping point toward that as well? Or will Amazon just be one of those things that, you know, you could go to Walmart, walk down the street to Walmart now, or you can order online at Amazon, you know, will it be the same in dentistry that you can order your things from Shine and Patterson and Benko or get online. So I, I'm going to be watching that to see, see how it affects things. I'm also going to be watching to see from my assistant's point of view with that, you know, is that something that assistants start looking at when they're ordering supplies? You know, is that something they're going to start investigating or do they really truly appreciate that relationship with that person coming through the door? Mm. Uh, So, you know, that's one thing that I'm going to kind of be poking and prodding some of my 
uh, assistance on and, and see how much value do they really see in that sales rep relationship. Well, and we did get some viewer mail on the Amazon uh, podcast. And in fact, we had a couple pieces, but the, the, the more, the big piece that I um, shared with you was from a friend of mine out in California. And he also gave me the name of somebody else that we would need to talk to. And we're going to reach out and have that person see if that person would come on or at least give us some thoughts. But uh, this friend of mine seemed to think that uh, it was still very far away and in the future. And he did bring up a couple good points. One of the big points that stuck out to me was how are they going to support the materials that they put out. And so that's, and we talked about, you know, the, the, the repair, there's gotta be a repair arm, there's gotta be installation arm and all of that. Then do we end up just kind of farming that out using subcontractors as well, we meaning Amazon. So he did, he brought up a a lot of logistics, you know, how do you, if, if it's a dental chair, do you buy it through ADEC, through Amazon, and they just deliver it, uh, prime shipping, which would just be amazing on a dental chair. Can you imagine that? <laughs> <Can> you imagine <laughs> that? <laughs> and, and it gets there. And then do you have to hire an ADEC repairman to yeah. bring it in? Rather, it's not necessarily straight through the dealer. So so there there was a lot of good points with that. And then also was brought up that Densply, there is no direct relationship between Densply and Amazon and has, and there was a lot of it on Facebook too, that the, the Densply representative said that there is no relationship between Amazon yeah. and Densply, which is great. I mean, that's what they need to say. And that's what, you know, that might be the case, but that's also what they sure. need to say. Um, but you made a comment that you see dental supplies already up on Amazon, some 3M materials and, and are yeah. up on Amazon. Yeah. There, you know, there are a few dental companies that already have things up there right now. And, and you know, I, I, my thought is still that when you're talking about Amazon and dentistry, you're talking about the supplies, you're talking about the cotton gauze, you're talking about, you know, the things not like chairs or cabinetry or hand pieces even, but I think you're talking about more of the everyday supplies that come into the practice. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where Amazon will at least start looking at things because those are real easy. You know, you know, you need X amount of this, you punch it in, it comes. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you if you go to Amazon right now and just search around, you know, look for dental supplies, you know, just type in dental supplies, see what pops up, type in dentistry, see what pops up. Uh, you know, I think I think you might be a little bit surprised at what's already available up there. And there is I remember when I was ordering uh, cotton balls and um, bags, sterilization bags and all of that, those items I had the most amount of movement on. Um, and so those are. I, I want to say there's a lot of profit built in to those those oh, sure. supplies. And so if that is taken away and you're really stuck with selling items that don't have high high margins, that's that's big. Um, but it is definitely theoretical at this point. I agree. I'm watching it as well because it, it may not be just Amazon that kind of takes this this place, you know, the industry by storm. It could be you know, somebody else who's got some boots on the ground. I just, we just haven't identified them yet. So the great thing about dentistry is that there is a very, very active mergers and acquisitions market in dentistry. Oh yeah. No question. Uh, and, and so there's always companies that are in the works, you know, you see it at greater New York, you see just meetings, you walk over to the Marriott and you can see that there's some meetings going on and, and they are talking and doing business. And so that I think is going to be interesting next year when it comes to the groups what do you think about groups for next year? Because I, I definitely see 
a slowdown in how often they're popping up and, and how big they are. Yeah. I, I think that when you're talking groups, I think the thing to watch next year is going to be the, the dentists who put three or four of them under their belt rather than the heartlands or the Pacifics or some of these big ones that we always hear about. I think the thing to watch are, will more dentists who are nearing retirement band together <clears throat> and try to make three or four practices more profitable than just one? That's the one thing that I'm really wanting to see happen because I've heard in Vegas, uh, Southern California, uh, even the upper Midwest, these are places where a lot of dentists are banding together, really trying to form alliances. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes. And that's what I'm watching. I still, you know, I still never think we're going to see the end of the solo practitioner. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, but I think that we are going to see more of these small level groups rise than even the big names that we hear about right now. You know, Vegas is a very interesting market. I don't think I shared this with you, but when I was out there speaking for an ADOM chapter, uh, Michael Cruz, it's his ADOM chapter out there and, and I went to lunch with him and Julie Mitchell, who's out there. And, and oh, yeah. they were telling me, this is just fascinating to me. They were telling me that you can't even really build a new office in Vegas because the contractors are so busy. Like offices are funded, you know, new builds and all There's no contractors. And wow. so they, to even build a de novo practice, you still have to plan that out. And in the meantime, if you can't get your practice built, you've got to work. So now you're going to go work as an associate somewhere because you, <laughs> you got to pay the bills. Right. So it's, it's really just fascinating to me. So if you know anybody who's a contractor and they need easy money, Vegas apparently is the place. Vegas, to go. Maybe. Yeah. And, and they were also telling me about the weird hours that Vegas dentists keep, which to me, it's fascinating. You know, Vegas is a 24-hour town and lots of people have different shift work. So offices are not, you know, some offices are staying open 24 hours. They're not doing the traditional nine to five or whatever because they need to service a whole wow. huge segment of the community who works the second and third shift. And, and that's smart. Yeah, it is smart. And it's fascinating to me though, because, you know, I'm here in stuffy Northern Virginia where- <laughs> to work overnight in a government town, unless you're FBI working to kill, you know, working to find like the Unabomber, you just don't do that. So <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Uh, so I am very interested in how dental offices run and how different they are across the country. So to hear that a 24 hour town needs a 24 hour dentist makes sense, but I just never it thought does. about it before. It does. It, it just makes me wonder if I'm a young dentist, I mean, yeah, I, I get why you'd want to move to Vegas, but would I want to overcome those hurdles waiting all that time for my practice to be mm -hmm. built? You know, or would I just go, you know, Reno's looking really good right now or you know, somewhere else. I you know, and you. I don't think Reno looks good. I don't think Reno looks well, good. And, and, and I, if anybody is living in Reno, I, I don't mean to insult well, you. you. I think you understand. <laughs> We just lost the whole Reno contingent. <laughs> <our podcast>. Great. <laughs> well, there goes 2018. Let's pack it in. <laughs> Let's just pack it in. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So I want to get your take on teledentistry. Oh, do you mind if I bring that up? And where yeah, because you know my my email has been blowing up lately. So uh, you okay. know the one thing about being known for coding is that now at the beginning of the year I get all the coding questions, and it was like this last year. For when forty three uh, forty six came out, the gingival inflammation code. At the end of twenty sixteen, my email inbox was just full of how much do I charge? How much do I charge? How much do I charge? 
Sure. And and so I'll just there is no real guidance on teledentistry as far as cost. Now I will say that if you are looking to incorporate teledentistry into your office, there are the two new codes that are being uh, put out, and and it is for first of all the first code is if you are there and. It's the information that you're giving to the patient, you know, right there on that day. So basically, if I'm a doctor and I do a Skype consult or I do a, you know, a virtual consult, that there's a code for that. Now, if there's a consult where somebody comes in, takes the information and then forwards it to me, and then later I do a diagnosis diagnosis based on that, there's a code for that. So the big question coming in is how much uh, can we charge? Because People don't want to use it if they can't get reimbursed for it. And I don't blame them at all for that. Here's the thing. We don't know how much the insurance companies, yes, their codes, this code is going to show up on fee schedules, but there's going to be either a buy report there, or it's going to be some weird fee schedule amount that they're going to come up with. And and I keep asking and I haven't heard anything. So I think it's going to be a buy report code. What I see in the medical side, you know, I just talking to my friends on the medical side is that you will see anywhere from $60 to $300 an hour for a teledentistry. When you really break it down, it's less than 100 an hour for teledentistry. And so I, I wouldn't go crazy making this like a huge revenue generator because that's that's really not what it's meant for. It's really meant for people who just can't get into your office. There's no real easy way of doing it. So really by default, it's already a problem. I mean, it's already an inconvenience. Yeah. It's already, there's already an obstacle there. It's probably for people who really cannot afford a lot of dentistry anyways, to be honest right now. So we're just not there technology wise as a, as a nation to do all of our medical stuff online. We're getting there though. And I think for now, if you were to stay, you know, under a hundred dollars an hour for this, I think you're in the safe zone. But honestly, let me just say this. And before anybody says you're price fixing, I'm not price fixing. What I want you to do is take a look at your expenses. Take a look at how much it's going to cost for you to invest in the technology to provide the service. If you've already got it, great. It's a built-in cost. But if you don't have it and you had to invest in it, that has to be accounted for. It's no different than buying a CAT scan or you know, a, an iTero or whatever, so take a look at your hard costs, the labor associated with it, and then make a decision based on that. I I really dislike when doctors and managers, and I, I used to do it, so I get it, where you charge what everybody else is charging, or you look to other people for guidance. And I need you to look at how much it actually costs you. So know that, then look to other people for guidance and see if that works for you. That's that's how I want you to charge it. So again, on the medical side, anywhere between 40 to 60 to, to up to 400, you know, is what I've seen. And that is, it's typically not going to be reimbursed. So you had to prepare for that too. I'm, I'm curious to see where it all goes next year. You know, we, uh, Dane and I, are, are, our insurance has changed because we don't have that many options here in Colorado for next year for two self-employed people that we can afford. And telemedicine is one of the big benefits of the, the one thing that we have chosen. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how it works from a patient standpoint. So too. does this mean that you are encouraged to, to do virtual consults? Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. That's, that's strongly encouraged, shall we say? Mm, okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, and so 
I'm, I'm curious to see it from a patient standpoint as well as from an industry standpoint and see if people embrace it, if they are scared of it, if they run to it, if it, they only use it as the last option. You know, I, I'm just real curious. Well, and I had to schedule an appointment uh, for the end of the year, and I was I was surprised how annoyed I was that I may have to call the office. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I was looking all over the site. I had to go get an X-ray, and I had I was looking all over the site to schedule, and I knew that I had seen something, and I was looking for the button. I was like, oh man, I, maybe I just need to call them. And I was like, oh, I don't want to call them. So I went back and looked again, <laughs> and I probably spent like more time than I would have had I called. But I finally found the button to make an appointment online, and I made the appointment online and got it confirmed, you know, got it texted to me, all that kind of stuff. And then I showed up, checked in on the little kiosk and stuff was printed out and I just verified it. We chatted a little bit about, you know, the holidays and, and that was it. I was done and I loved it because, and you know, you would think that I'm, I'm seriously social. You would think that I would want to make this like this big social thing, but I didn't, I wanted to get in and get out. So I was the typical I need to make my appointment online. I don't want to talk to you. And I thought to myself, this needs to happen everywhere. And, and we've been talking about this. You know, I've definitely been talking about it in class. Our patients, when they've realized they have to pick up the phone and call you, but they've been able to schedule all their appointments in all other aspects okay. of their life, they've been able to go online and you're the only industry that makes them actually pick up the phone and call. That's different now. We're a little bit behind in that. And I've really, I need people in 2018 to think about that. And for people like our parents, picking up the phone is very common. For people like our kids, mm-hmm. you're right. They don't want to They do don't want to talk to us, yeah. Kevin. I mean, for crying no, out loud. I, very good point. <laughs> I, I will text you. I will Snapchat you. That is the extent of my love. There you go. <laughs> so here's the funny thing. I, we saw, uh, you know, my best friend, Raina, she lives out there in Aurora, Colorado. We text each other, but we, we know we're busy. And sometimes it'll be days before we we text each other back. And and we know that when we get on the phone, it's a good hour. We've just killed a good hour at least on the phone. So we we tend to not get on the phone unless we have an actual hour. And I think that's how people are. They they don't want to waste their time on the phone because they know they're going to get stuck. And, and I mean stuck in the best way. So I just have to share. It's really funny. We saw this meme um, on some of the forums and it was basically this woman who she's 71 years old or something. And she gets up in the morning and she texts her best friend a happy face and they, they text each other a happy face because they just want to let each other know they're alive. <laughs> that, that, that's like what they that. do. And, and I was sharing that with Raina last night. I was like, it's hilarious. That's how we're going to be, you know, when we get to golden girl age, yeah. you know, so we don't have to talk to each other. We just need to text each other to let each other know we woke up that morning. And this morning I get this text with a happy face. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Lorena, I know you're alive. But but that that's really to the point of, you know, we don't necessarily need to talk. I just need to at least know you're there. <laughs> yeah. And, and you are. Okay, check. Move on. Okay. <laughs> so, Kevin, if I text you a, a Ric Flair doing a, a pile driver or something, you'll know I'm still, I'm oh. still there. <laughs> Just text me a woo. <laughs> That'll good. be our little code. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah. Te- so I think oh, wow. teledentistry is um, the first step in us realizing that, you know, there's, we can take the dentistry outside of the office. And I, I think that's yeah. very cool. What well, else do you see? And then it makes me, well, and, and it just makes me think about going back to your Vegas example a few minutes ago, you know, how will that change things in, in places that for 
workers who work in the middle of the night, you know, those shift workers, uh, you know, it'll be really interesting to see if it makes an impact for them. Well, I want to talk about something that we both are, are kind of in the middle of in just a minute, but I know just to wrap up the 2018, I just want to say for yeah. the insurance point of view, uh, there's definitely, you're going to see a lot more restrictions. Uh, we're starting to see more EPO offerings. So that's exclusive provider organizations. We've seen a ton of them before. They've always been out there, but now we're seeing them pushed as the preferred type of, of benefits that patients are selecting. So when you're out there calling on benefits, make sure you ask. It's not just PPO, but EPO. And if you're not part of, if it's a separate EPO network, if you're not part of that network, understand that they're not going to pay anything to anybody. And so you need to know that and you know, tell your patients about it. So I will definitely be talking more about that on the uh, the webinar. We, you know, we always do, I always do a 2018 coding webinar or every year I do a coding webinar and this year it's on the 9th of uh, January. And so I'll definitely be talking more about that because that has been the big roar that I've been hearing too is, you know, EPO has been a pain point. Uh, so we'll have mm. to talk about that. And I want to talk about the the way we communicate with each other, what I see different in 2018. So 2017 was the year of the Facebook group. Did you notice that? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I did notice the rise of that. Everybody has a Facebook group. Everybody. And yeah. I, I mean, I even created one for nobody told me that, but I didn't make it pr public because when I really took a look at my workflow, I thought I I can't. I just can't. I don't have the time for it. But it <laughs> yeah. seems like everybody opened a group, got good at it, and then opened like 20 more groups to go along with it. <laughs> Yeah. And then, of course, the podcasting community has their own set of groups, which I adore. I mean, I, I can't get enough of the the podcasting groups that are out there. Um, big shout out to Dental Hacks because they are just great guys and great group of people in that Facebook group. What I learn there is is invaluable. But there's so many Facebook groups going on. And what I see is a lot of weird information being given out. What do you see in there? A lot of bad information. I, I'm a member of many, many, many dental assistant groups and the things that other assistants are telling assistants to do. I'm just like, Oh dear God, no. You know, I mean, you, that's, that's infection control 101. Don't do that. You know, I mean, but, but it, it scares me a little bit because this is the advice being given. And a lot of people, you know, if, if it's on the internet, it must be true. You know, as long as you cover your sausage biscuit with a piece of Kleenex or a, you can put it on top of the autoclave. That's okay, right? Just cold sterilize it. It's not cold a problem. Sterilize you know, it's all your biscuit. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, it'll be fine. So, no, it, I mean, it, it scares me a little bit that this next generation, you know, and I, boy, I'm sounding like you really father, are. So. I was going to say, Kevin, <laughs> get off my lawn. No. <laughs> Kids, but this is again, they don't have to ask each other, they can just type it in and then just wait for the responses to mm -hmm. come back. You don't know who's given the response a lot of times, and a lot, you know, I'll see conflicting messages, I'll see arguments happen, you know, whenever people are answering a question in a dental assisting yeah. group. So it, it's, it's pretty interesting to sit there and watch, but it's a little scary at the same time. I think we both need to say we've seen probably 75% good information, don't you think? True, yeah, true. I mean, and motivating. Lots of motivating, but when I see bad information, it's bad. It's bad. Oh it, yeah, it, and yeah, and I yeah. see in the managerial groups, I see people giving out HR advice. It's 
it's scary. <laughs> like, so can I fire this person? Should I fire her sure. in the morning or should I fire her in the afternoon? <laughs> and what form should I have when I do that? And I'm like, holy cow, you needed to have like forms A through Z before you even started this process. And 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 I, I saw somebody saying that, uh, you know, you don't need to run a background check. They're very costly. And and I, I'm thinking you, you may not need to run a background check on maybe the file clerk if she's coming in for like two or three hours a day and she's under your watchful eye the whole time. But anybody who has access to money and expensive equipment you need a background check. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? You yeah. know, <laughs> do you have a heartbeat? Okay. Right. You're hired. No, <laughs> those no, were the no. days. Those were the days. Absolutely. And yeah, so right. I, the HR is where I see a lot of bad advice insurance. I don't see so much bad advice as I just see people who are not, they just don't know what to do. They don't even have a coding book. I mean, they're on there asking what is the code for? And you should not even be asking that in a group because you should have either Dr. Blair's book or you should have the ADA book. You should not be asking what, what is the code for? That just tells me you haven't, you haven't gotten to the point where your insurance systems are good, not because you're a bad person, but just because you haven't gotten there yet. So that scares me. That really scares me. And I would, you know, and and outside looking in, I think that's a little lazy too. A I mean, little, but but then again, if you think about it, some of these girls come into Clark, and and men, I shouldn't say that. Some of these people come into the office, and they're told that they need to use these codes, and they've never, they don't know about Doctor Blair's book. They don't know, they don't know who I True. am. They don't know who you know. Any, they just they don't know, and and so they, you know, first thing they do is they get on Facebook and and they start googling, and they don't, you know, they Google for the code, and. They're not going to go and purchase the book because it costs money. I have had, and this is this breaks my heart. I've had people email me and say, "I'm really sorry to bother you, but my doctor will not send me to your course. But I need help on this. Will you help me?" And you yeah. know, I, I can't say no. What am I a Grinch? But at the same time, you know, if you're going to ask me six questions in a row, it's obvious to me that you're not even trying. That that's hard. I think that's hard. I think the Facebook groups, though, I, I don't know. What do you think? You think that we're going to continue to see more Facebook groups or you think you're going to see some kind of drop off or what? I think that, uh, you know, we've we've both seen the explosion of the dental peeps, Facebook groups. And, you know, those are very specialized. And, I, you know, here in Denver, I can tell you, I see a lot of people using mm-hmm. that. I think we'll see more. Uh, you know, I think it's always one of those things that if people see something working, they'll duplicate it. And so I think people are seeing that Facebook is alive and well. You know, uh, despite all the Snapchats and Instagrams and everything else coming out, Facebook's alive and well, and people are responding on that. So, no, I I definitely see it growing. I think there needs to be a word of caution in there. I mean, Anissa's group is great, um, Anissa Holmes and Grace Rizzo's group. You know, all of those groups are are very interesting and informational, but I, I would just want to put the caveat out there that, you know, you need to seek a professional. It's good to get input, but but don't base all your managerial decisions on somebody who may have just taken the job yesterday, but just yeah. feels like, you know, he or she knows it all. That, that I think has been really hard. And I, I don't want to wait in. I don't want to yeah. wait in because then I get into a long conversation and a lot of times I'm either traveling or I just can't get back to it. So it's, sometimes it's best to just read and maybe send a private message. I have sent some private messages to people that basically, you know, not telling them anything about my course, but just saying, hey, you need to look into something else and try very hard not to say, oh, here's my course and here's my book and all that stuff. 
I just want them to know that there's maybe you do a little bit more Googling before you settle on that particular answer. Um, oh, that, that's, that's very fair. And only for people that I know through maybe a friend or something like that. Like I'm not going to email a complete stranger because that's creepy, Kevin. That's creepy. Well, the good thing is that you're so attractive on oh, LinkedIn. Yes. And for those of you who don't understand that reference and think that Kevin's being creepy, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have I have been the lucky recipient of several LinkedIn messages uh, on my profile. So, And my favorite is the Instagram message that told me I was old but pretty. and i thought you know know. i'll take it (laughs) because i'm old (laughs) so all right well let me see here we are coming to the end here let me i am curious though about how was your christmas it was very nice. Uh, you know, we got back home Christmas night and Dana and I exchanged our gifts and had snow on the ground here in Colorado. It felt very Christmassy. So it was it was good here. How well, about hold that? on. You were in Key West for a little bit. Uh, oh, yes. We went to Key West. And, and I will do one thing real quick. Yes, folks, the Keys are alive and well. And, they, and every, you know, everybody that I talked to down there who was a restaurant server or a tour guide or whatever they they never hesitated to say please let people know that we are alive and well and open oh, for business that's hard uh, so you know that they they were getting hit pretty hard by people canceling their plans so i will tell you that i have not experienced as good a service and as friendly a people in a long time as I did during our week in Key West, hanging out and relaxing a little bit. So definitely recommend the keys to anybody who's looking for a, a somewhere to go. Uh, Key West was a lot of fun. We, we really enjoyed our week. Well, you guys look nice and happy. Well, we are happy. You know, it, we, it's a highly recommended place to go. We got to relax, uh, great food, great places. So would recommend the keys to anybody looking for somewhere to, to hang out and, uh, Check out sometime. It, in it is pretty down there. It is. It is very pretty. Yeah. And I was wondering about that. So it's good to hear. And I bet it's cheap now. So since they want people down there. Yeah. You know, actually it was. We, uh, I mean, just a real quick story here. We went out on a catamaran that normally has 60 people on it. And there were 16 wow. whenever we were. So it may have just been the time of year. We went the week before Christmas. But uh, uh, yeah. Well, that has to piss off the sharks, right? Like there's less food. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know how many times I can throw a kid overboard and they don't come. I'm like, well, damn it. <laughs> well, so, so Christmas was fun for us. Uh, I was off the road, which was nice. I don't actually get back on the road for a couple more nice. weeks. And big present for us, um, aside from my mom with her elf shoes that actually had jingle bells on them. And so oh. she walked all around the house all That's day awesome. with these jingle bells on. And my dad, you know, he has... He has hearing aids that he wears. And about halfway through the day, he said, screw this. And he took out his hearing aids. It was hilarious. So <laughs> so that was funny. But we had an air fryer. We got an air fryer. So oh, we have been air frying everything. <laughs> everything. And so we're really enjoying that. I, I kind of went down the rabbit hole of air fryer YouTube videos. So you recommend it? I do. I really, I like it. We did some steaks in it. Um, that was good. Uh, we did some, oh, we did a Cornish hen. Uh, we tried that and oh. that was delicious. The skin on it was really crispy. 
I'm nice. after we get done recording and I do some of this editing, I'm going to pop some bacon in there because I, because you can't just buy the air fryer, Kevin, you got to buy the accessories that go with it. And I, those came today. And so I've got accessory trays that you now can put the bacon on. So wait, yes. wait, 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 you wait till the end of our podcast to drop um, bacon. That's just wrong. Oh, on so it's going to be delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I will text you a picture. I, I'm shaking my fist at you from two time zones away right now. I will, can you go ahead and just picture the smell. The smell. That's that's what just my house it. is going to be. All right. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Good night. So, yeah. So, we will be air frying everything on that. Yeah, I'm definitely putting a picture of bacon on the show notes. And, uh, <laughs> so, that was good. The, the dogs got lots of uh, treats and a brand new Oh, yep, well do- brand new doggy treat jar to go along with it. And Noah wow. got a, a tablet. And of course, he got his some Xbox games. And, and I have to say, oh, nice. my son's grades have been exceptional. And so I'm really proud. Well, because, yeah, no. you know, if grades aren't good, Christmas is not good. And that's something. Oh, well, I'm glad Christmas was good. That's so- <laughs> <laughs> the, the alternative was not looked forward to. So I'm glad. I'm glad things <laughs> turned around. But yeah, so that so Christmas was good. I'm again looking forward to 2018. I hope everybody that was listening had a wonderful Christmas as well and holidays, what, whatever it is that you uh, celebrate and hope that it was nice and calm and you got to see as much of your family as you wanted to. I know that's an important distinction, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> so, so Kevin, we are going to say goodbye now. I think we've been talking for a while. Any last thoughts or anything I missed? Enjoy your bacon. That's all I can I say. I know you really don't mean that. I can hear the anger. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can hear don't. it. I can hear the anger in your voice. I'm frustrated right now. No, no, I'm looking forward to a great 2018, and I'm glad you and I will be at Rocky Mountain. and just Yeah, we'll have to put something together on that, an on-the-ground episode. We'll have to do that. Yeah, we need to. That'd be great. All right. So from all of us here at Nobody Told Me That, feel free to forward this on to your friends. Uh, Hit us up on iTunes, subscribe, rate if you could. I would really appreciate that. We will be back with another episode of Nobody Told Me That. Subscribe to this podcast so you'll get our next candid discussion. Visit Teresa's website, odysseymgmt.com. That's odysseymgmt.com for more information on Teresa's courses, books, and speaking schedule. Subscribe to her newsletter while you're there. Don't say we didn't tell you that. <laughs>